video, just watch this, just right now. Today, I'm so glad the microphone works when you turn it on. Let me tell you, isn't it great to graduate? If you forget what it felt like, let me just sum it up by saying, ah, feels good. Let me, let me give you some quick announcements, and, and we'll try to remind you at the end, but just to kind of, if you have a pen paper, write these down. Uh, tonight, we have a special night of worship starting at 6.30. It's about an hour long. Uh, be, be ready. Come, come prayed up, and, and just when you get here, um, Lisa will just open it up, freedom, so you can, you can sit over here, and by the end of the night, you might be over here. So we will just walk around and worship. Uh, it's a wonderful time of just getting with God and, and celebrating His goodness. And after today's message, I'm trusting that you'll get a, a better revelation of the love of God in your life. That's tonight. Also, um, if you did not realize, we have a different online giving uh, platform. And it is like going from the Little League to the Major Leagues in this new platform. Uh, eventually, we'll give you a number to be able to text to give. You could do that that way. Uh, you can uh, have your bank sent, set it up where you can send a check uh, through the mail, and your bank will do that, that uh, ACH, I think it is, something like that. And then also that uh, you can give online like we did on the other uh, platform where you go in and fill it out, uh, and, and you're able to do that. And then always the, the very... Easiest way is just bring your offering and put it in the plate. You know, you can do that. That doesn't take much technology, but that's another way of doing it. And we even have people drive by and, and put it in the mailbox. So that's fine, too. Any way that you'd like to give, uh, we'll be uh, able to receive it as the church. And uh, we, we've seen God do some amazing things, and we appreciate your uh, willingness to give. Now, let me give you another quick announcement before I, I preach. Or at least, let's say, two. On Saturday morning, June 19th, that's the Saturday before Father's Day, we're going to have our men's breakfast at 8 o'clock. We encourage you to be here at 8 o'clock, guys, and uh, just have a great time to eat breakfast together. Also, maybe for the last couple of weeks, you've seen a trailer parked on the corner of the property uh, advertising uh, Hell Collision Repair. Has anybody saw that? Wilma, have you seen that? I haven't seen it, Fred. You know, so if you haven't, it's sitting out there. And uh, it has a phone number on it. It has all the goodness. This guy is a believer, and he asked, and, and even is giving us an offering to, to put it there. And he even went another step further. He said that uh, he has been blessed, so if you have hell damage that needs to be fixed, listen to what he'll do for us. He'll waive your deductible. In other words, he'll just eat the deductible. That's huge. But number two is after you get it repaired and pay for it, he'll tithe back to the church the amount that it cost of your, your vehicle just to be generous in his, uh, his business has been around for, I forget how many years. It's down, I believe, on Western Center and 820. So he is very generous to the church. So we said, definitely, you can park it there. And I know that Gwen and I, uh, looks like some kids got some rocks and pelted our vehicles, you know. 
why I say kids, because my kids did that to their grandparents years ago. And uh, I had to remember that right before I preached. How many people know that you go, I got to pay that insurance bill every month. But you know what's the good news is when you need it, you go, hello, Dustin. (laughs) And so anyway, I'm glad that uh, you're here this morning and uh, all those announcements are done. Would you uh, pray with me in about 10 seconds? And here's what we're praying about that your heart be open to today's message on the love of God. The love of God. Now, now here, here's what I want you to know. A lot of times when I say the love of God, you go, got that. There's not a lot of things, Pastor, I get about the whole Bible, but we got that. And you might have revelation to a certain point, but I'm praying that you get the full measure. You understand, and just if you could just grasp what Paul said, how high and how deep and how wide and how long the love of God is, if you could just grasp it. So this morning we're beginning again a section of this series that we're in, this wonderful invention of love. So let's pray. Father, today as we're here to hear the word, the God that we've come together to celebrate your goodness, and Father, to to love you, and as we've done during our worship time, we we celebrated, we confessed out of our mouth the song's words that we believe in order for us to hear it with our own ear, your goodness, your faithfulness, your love for us. And Father, I I pray that in the next few minutes that you would take this message, you would take my vocal cords, you would take our ears and allow it to go in in a way that God, that you customize it for each one of us. In your name I pray, amen. A young man pretty much had it all. He was about 18 years old and he had a wonderful father. And his father was very wealthy. And his father would take him to sporting events and they just hung out together and they had really a great bond. And the son had had wanted this car. They had driven by a dealership. And they'd seen this really nice sports car, and he said, oh, look at that. So his dad kind of looked at his expression, and he drove into the dealership, as dads sometimes do. And and the the father said, would you like to test drive it? And the son said, I'm only 16. He said, that's all right. And he he got the salesman out, and he test drove it. Oh, dad, this is wonderful. Well, years had passed, and he had come to graduation, and he thought, me and my dad, he's got a lot of money, he's got a lot of resources, his company's doing well. Maybe dad's going to buy me a car for graduation. After the graduation party that his family had thrown for him, his dad said, hey, I'd like you to come into my office. I've got something to give you. And his son got all excited. He went into that big oak, you know, office line. And, and his dad gave him a box, and he opened up the box. And, and in the box, he, he looked at it, and it, what in the world? He said, son, I wanted to give you this for graduation. And he looked, it was a Bible. And, and he turned because it was marked, and it, it had a message for him. And he said, it said in the Bible, it says, 
if you're earth, how much that your earthly parents know how to give you gifts, but your heavenly Father can give you even better gifts. And it says that he will withhold from none that ask. The, 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 the son looked at it and, and thought, what? And even though he liked the Bible, even though it was a nice Bible, he thought to himself, all the resources, all the time, my dad knew what I wanted. He knew what I would like, but he decided to give me a Bible. Are you kidding me? And he threw down that box and he walked out. His dad said, well, wait, wait, wait just a minute. But the son wanted to hear it. He, he walked out of the office. He walked up to his, he went up the stairs to his room and he got his bags he packed and he left the house. Year after year, the, the son would just hang his head every time he thought about his father and thought, I can't believe that my father would just give me a Bible for graduation, all that he asked. 20 years had passed, and now that son had three kids of his own, and he looked in their eyes and how bright they were, and he had a wonderful wife. His business had taken off on some of the reason because of the contacts that his father had that now he had. But he had never talked to his father in 20 years since graduation night. The son began to kind of get emotional and think, maybe I missed it. And so the, the son decided, he thought, you know, in a while, I, I think I'm just going to go home and, and maybe talk to my dad. And, but by the time that he decided to go home, he had gotten a call in the days following that. And, and, and the call was from people, the family in that area that called and knew both of them and said, hey, hey, your dad has passed away. You need to come home and settle the estate. And when he got home, he realized that his father had given him everything. His business was worth millions. The house was very wealthy. I mean, very expensive. And the son left his family at the hotel and, and went back to the house to be alone kind of for a minute. And he, and he went into that office and he, he kind of was walking around because it looked similar to what he remembered 20 years ago. And when he, when he looked on the shelves and all the books that his dad had, he, he looked and there was that box in the, in the shelf by the books and, and it had the wrapping paper still a little bit on it, kind of worn. He took down the box and he looked in the book again and read that and and then he didn't he didn't notice but inside was a key and, and when he looked at the key he recognized the little the little tag from the dealership where that car was and inside the bible it, it had a card with the date of his graduation and it said I wanted to give you the car, paid in full. Now this morning's message has weighed heavy on me. 
Because as believers, we come to know God and make Him personal. Savior of our life. Which means that we, we don't want to go to hell. And most of us have been presented the gospel with a kind of, and, and I don't want to minimize it, but to get out of jail free card. And we walk in the revelation of salvation, which nothing, let me tell you, nothing is wrong with that. But the day that we get the revelation of the goodness and the love of God goes far beyond just trying to save us from hell, but also to, to be our friend, to love us, to guide us through the life that we're living now. All of a sudden, here's a Bible word or a biblical or a spiritual word. We get revelation. Here, here, here's a better way of saying it for you and I. The light bulb comes on. Kind of like the the young man that years later realized that his father wasn't trying to hold out on him. But he just didn't recognize the goodness of his father because of his own paradigm, his own thinking. My dad has given me something. And so as a believer, as I'm taking you through this series, and, and the first thing, as, as you come to know God, and even if you've been a Christian for 50 years, Listen, there's some people that have never got a first-hand revelation of who God is in your life. You've got a revelation of what some pastor has said, which is not bad. I'm a pastor. Or a teacher, or grandma, or mama. Th those are okay, let me tell you. I'd rather have a second-hand revelation than no revelation. But if you get a revelation of the goodness of God, who God is in your life, when the light bulb comes on, all of a sudden, <laughs> suki suki, bring them on. That's why we can sing songs like, I've seen you move a mountain and I got confidence and trust that you can do it again. Well, let me tell you, when you get a revelation of who God is, all of a sudden things begin to change in the way that you see things. But then the second thing is in the, in the stages of this that I'm taking you through is then to get a revelation of who he says you are. Now again, look, come on now. You say, well, I know who I am. No, you're not. A lot of people say, well, who are you? Well, I'm a plumber. I'm a baker. I'm a candlestick maker, whatever. That's who I am. No, that's not who you are. Some of these young people will say, I can do anything. I live in America. No, you can't. Do what God says that He created you for, and then you'll watch how things will open up like never before. To realize who He says you are. And, and sometimes we, we get this late in life and we go, what have I been doing all my life? I feel like I've been fighting and fighting the air, you know, just. And then. When you get a revelation of who he says, not the pastor, not your wife, not your husband, not, not somebody that said you're not going to do anything or whatever. When you get a revelation of who God says you are, then, then the third stage is what we're going to talk about is the authority of the believer. And I'll, I'll tell you what, if you don't get the revelation of who God is, when we get to the point of talking about the revelation of the authority of the believer, you'll be like, that's crazy. That's that's crazy. You got crazy. When you talk about speaking to mountains, 
Oh, that's crazy. You know, you're looking at somebody going, man, do you believe that stuff? Going out, speaking to the weather when they go, if you're at John Miller's house, you better seek cover. Oh, no, he didn't say that. I'm going to go outside. Get around this house, Storm. Pastor, you do that? You crazy. Let, let, let's pay attention then again. Let's start today in the, the understanding, the revelation of who God is. Now again, I'm not saying that today the light bulb is going to go on because without recognition, you'll never get revelation. So today, as we give you things of the Word of God, you, you put it in your, your life and then you begin to process it. You begin to look long and expect for the, the victory in your life. And when it happens, you go, oh. When, I've seen people do this throughout my ministry. When they get revelation of how good God is, they almost go, Pastor, is this real? So, so watch this. Th this morning, I want to start at the beginning in Genesis in a story uh, talking about the covenant. We, we, we've, we've talked about covenant before, and, and today at the end of the service, we're going to take the Lord's Supper, which is the covenant. But, but I want you to see something that if you miss it, let me just say, if you miss it, you didn't get recognition of what God's saying. It's like the young man that says, all you got is a Bible? Father, all you got is a book of no's? And God says, whoa, you didn't see it. It's a book of yes and amen. A covenant is an agreement between two people or two groups that involves promises on the part of each to the other. Now, now listen to this. We, we see that, we, we understand that we don't read that Adam and Eve had a covenant, but we do read that God blessed them and says, all this is yours. Just don't eat that. And then Noah has the covenant, given a covenant about the rain in the rainbow. But this morning I want to start with the book of Genesis in verse 12. If you've got your Bibles, turn there. Because today I want to talk about something of a covenant, and it's a, in the biblical sense, it's more than a contract, okay? Contracts in our society, in our Western society, are very important. If you talk to lawyer, lawyers are going to say, get the strictest contract that you can and buy the most insurance that you can. Because they think that it's always going to go bad. A contract always has an end date that, that it's fulfilled. But with a covenant, it's permanent. A contract generally involves one part of a person. A covenant applies to the whole person. A covenant, a marriage, doesn't have an agreement between a man and a woman. You're just doing the cooking. We're married. And you're just providing the money to pay all the bills. No, it's the whole person. That's the covenant of marriage. I didn't get very amen on that right there, I'll tell you what. 
Now, now in, in the Bible sense, I want you to see how severe it is. The word covenant comes from to cut. How many people have ever heard that before? Think about this. These are the things that ratified a covenant. Not all of them are cutting, but, but, but by giving of the hand, a loosening the shoe. Do you remember that in uh, Ruth? Where, uh, yeah, okay. Maybe turn this down just a little bit. Written and sealed by giving presents, by making a feast. I like that one. By a monument, by offering a sacrifice. Now, here's a new one that a lot of you haven't heard of. By salting. We're going to talk about that. In, In our culture, what do we do? to usually signify a covenant in marriage. A ring. Now, in the book, listen to this. Some of you have never read this because it's in a place where you read real quick and you say, yeah, I read the whole Bible. But in Numbers chapter 18, verse 19, God is talking to the people that are going to go from slavery bondage into the wilderness into the promise and he's talking about when they get to the promise there's going to be provision for each ones of the tribe they're going to have places of this is your region to live in but to the levites the priests you will not get any because i'm your portion god says and he goes to say this in numbers chapter 18 verse 19 all the the heave offerings, that's when a person brought an animal for the sacrifice. The heave offerings, the things that in this version of the Amplified, it says those things that are lifted out and kept portions. In other words, there was portions of the sacrifice that was given to the priests. All the heave offerings of the holy things which Israelites give to the Lord, I give to you, which is the Levitical priest, and to your sons and your daughters with you as a continual debt forever. Now listen to this. It is a covenant of salt that cannot be dissolved or violated forever before the Lord for you, Aaron, and for your posterity with you. Covenant is always about making two into one. Dustin, could you come up here for a minute? Now, this morning when I talk about the salt offering, it is come back, or the salt covenant. It comes to the place, if you'll just stand right here, we're going to use Dustin as an illustration. Uh, In ancient times, one of the most precious things on the face of the earth was called salt. It came to even represent power. Because if a country or a group of people had the power of having salt, their army could march because it would be able to preserve food for long distances. Explorers from that country could go far distances over the ocean because they could not preserve food without salt. Everybody with me on that? The the word in Latin comes like this. Listen to this. Salarium. Does that sound familiar? Any words that we're used to? Salarium. It refers to salary, our salary that we earn. Back then, when the Roman soldier was paid, a lot of times later on in history, they would be paid actually with salt. 
or they would be given an amount of money for their portion to buy salt with. So when people would be, have you heard any terms like, that guy ain't worth his salt. So when these soldiers were in different parts and people were in different parts of the world, especially in the desert, has anybody ever put too much salt on a steak? You can't get it out, can you? It's there. The salt covenant was one of the representations ceremonially that two people would come together and a lot of times it would come in their financial dealings. We're going to give Centurion Dustin here. He's out on the frontier. And he's going to do business with Merchant John that, I don't know, I sell sheepskin ball hats. I don't know, whatever. (laughs) But we're going to go into business together. A covenant was something so vague that they would, Dustin would trade, he would carry a salt with him. And usually it was like a bag that they would use on their food to preserve it. We realized that even Jesus called it life. You know, that we as Christians are the salt of the earth. Very valuable. So, so we would have, not in a nice little shaker, but we'd probably have it in what you would think of as like a money pouch or something like that, just a little pouch that would be carried a lot of times with the people of that time. And what we would do is we would ceremonially... How old is this church salt? <laughs> here we go. Nothing like we haven't had a dinner in a while around here. (laughs) What are you trying to do, Dustin? Cheat me? (laughs) So what we would do is we would put it in something, either a bag, a glass, or something, and then shake it up. Can anybody tell the difference between Dustin's and mine? Can, Can we separate those two? The two become one. Thank you, Dustin. Let's give Centurion Millican a hand. Again, a a salt covenant. Now, if you have your Bibles, look at Genesis chapter 12. Now listen to this. This is the first time that we see that God shows up in this time of history and has a plan for mankind. Now remember that when the day happened that uh, Adam and Eve fell into sin, sin came into the world, and, and God the Father is talking to the serpent. You will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. In other words, I have a plan in place to bring a Messiah back to save mankind. In the meantime, here's the plan that begins to act out, and it's in the process of a man called Abraham. Abraham is a man that is just like you and I, and sometimes we get, it, get him all kind of you know, conjured up as someone that we could never be. But again, a man just like you and I. And in Genesis chapter 12, it says, The Lord came to Abraham and said, and his name is Abram at this time, and said, Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go. Do you hear what he's telling? He's giving them direction. They're, they're, at this point, there is no, revel, uh, no revelation or no recognition of who he is. 
But God is asking him to do something. You, you could even say to this point there is no trust. There has been no time to be built up. That's why later in the book of Romans it will say it will be credited to him for righteousness because of his faith. But listen to what it says and see if you were put in his place, would you be able to do this? It says, God says, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. And really, just let me stop there and say this. A lot of times we think, well, is God telling me to get away from my family? In this situation, we believe that the people that he was around, the, the community of the family that he belonged to, was worshiping idols. God says, get out from that. Stuff In verse 2 it says, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. Listen to this. And I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Okay? Did everybody get that? D does anybody have a problem with him saying, I'm going to make you very prosperous, Abraham? Because somehow in our Western culture is so much even different than in the Jewish culture. That we as Western civilization think that if any time money is mentioned in the Bible, we curl up in a fetal position. Ooh. But when we read the scripture, we begin to say, well, that's okay for Abraham. It's not okay for us to be blessed. But, but look at it. And there's a reason, verse 3, it says, I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people, are you an all people? And all people on earth will be blessed through you. Now that, that's thousands of years ago that God is speaking to a man that will change our lives. Now recognize this. Because it's a prophetical word that this guy out in the desert or wherever he's at, the Earl of Chaldees, and he, he's hearing this and he's got to make a choice on the word of God for his life and his family and his descendants. There's a lot of things that happen between this moment in history and when the covenant is given. Did you hear that? Will Abraham or Abram actually walk out and experience the love of God before the covenant is even offered to him? That's chapter 12. If we had time, we could read chapter 13. But in chapter 13, it talks about Abraham becomes wealthy in livestock, silver, and gold. So much that he's brought his nephew Lot on the trip and they can't even... They can't even stay together because there's so many animals, there's not enough grass. Now to you and I, well to you, grass isn't that important. Every spring when I have my cows and I don't have to buy hay and I, I see skinny cows in the winter and I think, oh, spring's coming. And when they eat that grass and they start getting bigger and bigger and healthier looking, there's something of a prosperous time. And, and it is so prosperous, they begin to breed and expand and expand. And the blessing of God is on Abraham, or on Abram, just like God had told him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Chapter 12 to chapter 13 doesn't happen in, in two days. It happens over years. 
in chapter 13, Lot has to separate from Abram because there's not enough room. In chapter 14, Lot gets in trouble because he moves to Sodom, right there by Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you don't know that, go back and read that. Some kings come in and they kidnap the people, defeat the army that where uh, Lot is staying, and they take them captive. And here is Abram. What did he? What does he do? Here he is. Just it says that five kings went against four kings. How many know that there's quite a bit of probably soldiers in both of those armies? One of the armies defeat the other, takes them away. I mean, they take them miles, hundreds of miles away. The captives. It just so happened that Abram's relative Lot is part of the captives. Now watch this. The blessing of God is on Abram and his household has expanded. Here's what I want you to get. Well, pastor, I I don't really need that much. Just a little bit for me and my family. You know what? If anybody said that, what if somebody said, are you selfish? Do you know how many people are in need just in your community? And if you're blessed to be a blessing that you could bless them? I'm about this close to getting down there and amen in myself because I need some of those today. Come on. Now think about this. We know because our, our coffee shop is even called Axiom. Some of you don't know what that means. It's a self-evident truth that needs no proof. Here's our axiom is the chapel. We are blessed to be a blessing. Listen to this. Abram has been blessed to the point that that enemy army has carried away captives and it so happens that his family is part of the captives, but there's a lot of other people that have been called and, and now they're slavery. They're in slavery. So Abram starts thinking about it and God's been good to me and I've been blessed. And he says, well, let, let's just call out some of the men in my, in my household that have been born here. We've trained them how to fight. And he does a count. And there's 318 men. That doesn't include women. That doesn't include the little kids that are going, we can go with you. No, they can't go. But 318 men. But here's the blessing on him. They follow the enemy warriors. And when the lights come on in the morning, they're taking names and kicking them all over the place, the enemy. Defeat them. That's the goodness of God. No, it's just the training in the soldiers and all that. Come on now. You can always write off the blessing of God every day of your life. But if you get recognition, you'll get revelation of how good God is in your life. You'll have people stand in the line to go, boy, you're an optimistic person. You're just talking about the goodness of God and all that He does for you. You'll, you'll have those people. So what the story is, is Abram gets his all these captives, all the spoils of war. Defeats that enemy. They're coming back. They get back to the kings that have been defeated. And the kings say this. I love this. Before I tell you that part of it, do you realize that there's a man named, or a priest called Melchizedek that shows up and Abram gives 10% of everything he has because of the blessing of God's on his life? 
first, first time in the Bible that we hear about tithing. But then he comes back to the kings and the kings are going, Oh, just give us our people back. You keep all the goods, all the spoils of war. And here's what Abram says. Some of you know what he says. And some of you have got the recognition and then the revelation of the goodness of God because a lot of times we'd go, God's good. He gave me all that stuff. And then there's other times where God says, No, don't keep that stuff. And this is one of the times. And Abram says to these kings, Nope, you're going to get it all back because not one of you are going to say that you may be rich. It's God. That's crazy. I'm sure there was somebody there going, Abram, you're crazy. Do you understand that here's Abram and he's waking up, going to bed every day, doing stuff just like you? But he's walking by faith that God's word is true in his life and is going to be acted out. He's in covenant with God. Now, here it goes. Chapter 15 of Genesis, we see that God comes to him. And at this point in his life, he's been given a promise. But I want you to see this. Hold on. Now, again, if you don't get recognition, if you don't have the wisdom of what the Word of God says, you won't get a word from God. So sometimes when we're meditating on the passages of Scripture, you need to just kind of calm down and, and, you know what I mean, shut off your phone. Turn off the ringer and put it in the other room. Maybe if you've got a family that's really loud, you might want to go sit in the car. Just, just for a minute. I'm not talking about days. Come on. <laughs> and just meditate. Listen, listen to what he says. It says, After all that, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield and your very great reward. If God spoke to you, go, well, God, are you sure you're my great reward? I, I don't need much. Again, I want to push on that, that, that subject because if, if I don't push, sometimes we get to the point where we go, well, just give me a little, little cottage. I don't need much in heaven, just a little cottage. God says, I'm your shield. In other words, I'm going to protect you. And I'm going to be your great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer, the Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so I will, um, so a servant in my household will be my heir. The word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir. But a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, I want you to get recognition of this. Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, You shall, so shall your offspring be. But get this verse 6. Highlight it. If you have a phone in, in that memo pad, just highlight that part. Verse 6 Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of Chaldees to give you the land to, the, to take possession of it. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I can gain possession of it? 
So the Lord said to him, bring a heifer. Here's the covenant. He's going to cut a covenant. So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat, a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abraham brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcass, but Abraham drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abraham fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated for hundreds of years. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out of the great... Uh, out with great possessions. Does this make sense to anybody? Did that happen? With Egypt, remember they came out before they, not only did they come out bigger and stronger than they went in, but also they came out and they asked for the gold of the people of Egypt and they gave it to them. This is thousands of years prior to this, that God's prophesying what's going to happen. Verse 15, You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried in a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here. He's actually in the promised land. For the sin of the Amorites have not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. Now again, let, let, me, let me tell you this. A lot of times you haven't read this or this hasn't been preached. This is a good area to be taught in. We only meet nowadays one time a week, so you got to be, you know, let me just say this. Preaching is wonderful, and it is motivating. But here's teaching. It teaches us knowledge. Preaching can do that too, and teaching can be part of preaching. But here's what I want you to know. is until you get the Word, until you get the knowledge of the Word of God, the motivation will not last. Woo! I'm going to take the world. And by Monday night, you're down in the mully grubs because you don't know the covenant of God and what the Word of God actually says. Well, that pastor said it. Words of found. I have no idea. You're reading it today. Listen, it says a smoking pot blazing torch appeared and passed between. We believe that's God. On the day the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to your descendants, I give this land. And he gives the perimeters. I want you to see this because when this happens, the world changes. All of a sudden, the covenant, the agreement between God and man takes place. Through this covenant, the descendants, as we know, will go all the way through the line of the Jews, the Israelites, all the way down through David, all the way down through Jesus. Jesus. Fast forward hundreds and hundreds of years and we get to the time where the Israelites are in slavery. And God shows up and speaks through Moses. We know the burning bush and I'm going to bring my people out. And will God again, think about this, the goodness of God will cut covenant with his people and remind them, he, he gives them the right through Abram to bless people. And he, he gives that right to Isaac and to Jacob, his sons. Okay, Justin, I'm going to cut covenant with you today. Come up here.
Okay, let your blood, this is my blood. If, if, you're, if you're questioning this, we did IVs before service. No, I'm just kidding. But we need, we need, to, we need to have a knife or something. What, what about this right here? Justin, I'm going to cut your arm. No, I'm just kidding. Justin goes, maybe Kristen would like to cut covenant with you. He says, don't give her that knife. Again, watch this. We're going to just need one of these. So, a covenant was made when two parties, a blood covenant, that it was cut and then your arms cut, put it in. And just like I wanted you to visibly see, can you separate now that these two are in the same container? The two become one. The the goodness of God. Let's give a hand to my illustration. Now again, you say, well, Pastor, I, you could have just told us that. But there's something about recognition. When you get the recognition of that two people's blood together become one unit. In a few minutes, when we take the Lord's Supper and we have the juice, see, see, the Catholic Church even believes that the bread becomes the body of Christ. What we believe is that what you're seeing here, just in a few minutes when we take the Lord's Supper, is that the blood of Jesus Christ going into your mouth, we're receiving the covenant of the believer that we too are one. If Justin and I cut covenant, everything that was his would be at my disposal. And everything that I have would be at his disposal. Do, do you understand the severity of that when we're talking about the creator of the universe? Quentin and I have talked about this. The first time that we recognize this, you, you sit there and you go, I didn't even realize that I was rich. And there's something that comes over you, just the, uh, the abundance of the resources that God has for us. And we begin to read the Word of God and the promises of God, and it says every promise is yes and amen. The amen is up to us. The, the, the story goes through mankind, and it goes to Moses. And watch this. This is, this is so good. Is Moses has a bunch of rebellious people down there with the golden calf and, and he's messed up with the, the, the Ten Commandments and he goes back up and, he, and God says, you know, I'm not going with you to the promised land. And Moses says, if you don't go, how, how's people going to know that we're yours? God shows himself to Moses now again, this is the word of God. This is in John Miller, and I want to prove it to you by looking at the passage. Now, now turn to Exodus. In verse in chapter 34. 
And it says that when, when he put him in the cleft of the mount, or the cleft of the cliff or the mountain, you know, where he puts his hand over, because he can't see God's face. This is, this is in Exodus 34. I'm a believer. I believe in the Word of God. Well, then believe this. In Exodus 34, it says, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. Now, just can, can, do you have enough imagination, to, even if you have to close your eyes, to picture this? He comes down and he proclaims his name and he passes in front of Moses and he's saying this he's proclaiming this can you imagine I always want it you know I always think it's like Charlton Heston's voice you know because that's movies and all that but he's got to have a deep voice he can't have like John Miller voice and the Lord said you know he's got to have the D voice the Lord the Lord he's saying this about himself the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet He does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for their sin of their fathers to the third and in the fourth generation. Now you say, oh no. Aren't we glad that we're in the New Testament and you run that passage through the New Testament and the cross and that each one of us doesn't answer for our father's sins? It says that Moses hears this and bows down to the ground at once and worshiped, O Lord, if I found favor in your eyes, he said, then let the Lord go with us. And he says, allow those people to go into their inheritance. Do you understand that here it is and, and he's in a place and will God be good or will he just wipe out all the Israelites? He chooses to be good to them. Now, now real quick, he cuts another covenant with the people of Israel. And in the book of Exodus, th this is what I just want you to hear, is in Exodus chapter 24, and again, to prove it to yourself, the recognition that pastor isn't making it up, that somebody's saying something. But if you look at Exodus chapter 24, and he does the same thing. He, he cuts covenant and he takes half of the blood, Moses, and puts it in bowls and the other half he sprinkles it on the altar. He sprinkles it on the book of the covenant that God has given him, but he also sprinkles the blood on the people. Which a lot of times in church you'll hear, we're covered by the blood. It, it, we're covered by the covenant, the cutting of the blood. Anytime a blood covenant, there has to be blood. There is life in the blood. That's why an animal was sacrificed and their blood was the atonement or the way that sins were forgiven. Let me, let me fast forward real quick. One more place here. In Isaiah chapter 49, you need to hear this. The goodness of God. And some of you really... One of our ushers just passed this out, passed out our handout today. A few of you guys do this, but if you have Isaiah, is it up here? You have Isaiah chapter 49, verse 13. As they're passing this out, some of you need to make a mark in your Bible or something or write it on this piece of paper that's being handed to you, and this needs to be 
spread often. Shout for joy, O heavens. Rejoice, O earth. Burst into song, O mountains. For the Lord comforts... Did you hear that? For the Lord comforts His people and will have compassion on His afflicted ones. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. But listen to what he says in verse 15. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I've engraved you on the palms of my hand. My hands, your walls are ever before me. Do you hear that the Bible is indicating that the covenant is more like a ties between two a parent and a child more than an appointment at a doctor's office? The ties between a mother and her child. God says, I'll never forget you. I have you on my... Now, now this morning, I know that some of you are saying, well, that God saying that to the Jewish people. Is He saying it to the Gentiles? And we're going to talk about that. And as we come to the end of today, I, I want you to look at this handout real quick so that you understand what I'm doing here. Recognition brings revelation. And what we've been going through the last few weeks is, is going, and what we're going to go through is a bombardment against words changing your thinking. And when your thinking changes, it changes your emotions and then your choices and destiny. So this morning and through this series, it's a constant. And I want you to look because we're only together one day. So I want you to look at this and I want you to remember as you read those verses during the week and even a confession, even at the very end when it says, when it looks impossible, you quote that to yourself out loud. If, if you do what, I, what I'm asking, do it out loud. Get, well, Pastor, my wife might think I'm a little, get in the car, shut the door. Say it out loud so you yourself can hear. You're getting alone with God and in a world that is just noisy, a lot of brown noise, blue noise, all that noise going on. We can't hear God speak to us. But when you read what He is saying about you, and then you confess it out of your mouth and believe in your heart, whoo! I know it says that you'll be saved, but I, I believe it's more than just eternal salvation. I believe that you'll be saved from your immediate circumstance. At the bottom of that page, it says, what is my testimony of God's love for me? Do you, do you know that we get an amazing illustrations and testimonies of what God does through our life? And we never write it down, and it's hard for us to remember it? Quick, when's your anniversary? All the husbands are going, give me a minute, give me a minute. Two weeks is Father's Day. Don't miss Father's Day because we're going to talk about the compassionate father. But don't miss next week when we talk about the goodness of what a covenant does. We're going to be talking about a covenant of Jonathan 
in David. It's a good one. And don't miss next week. But take what you've been given today. Find time during the week. Please try not to do it Saturday night because you didn't remember it all week. Try to do it even this afternoon before you come to worship or maybe tonight after worship when you go home and you tell your husband or your wife or your children, hey, can, can you guys give me about 30 minutes? I just want to get alone with God for a minute. Allow your thinking to begin to change. I, I want us to confess as the worship team comes back up, we're going to take the Lord's Supper and then we're going to be dismissed. But as we take the Lord's Supper today, and we're taking, and we're going to take it for the next two more weeks after this, a so three total, it is so important for you to do it often. And it's not just at church. Sometimes Gwen and I going through some of the most difficult times in our life, and again, what is difficult to you might not be difficult to me. And what is extremely difficult to me, you might be already past that. And you go, you know what, that, that's not hard for me anymore because you've already seen God's goodness and you've overcome that. But when we go through something difficult in our lives, she'll get out the juice just like we do here and the cracker or a piece of bread and we say, God, we're remembering your covenant. saying that, we're, we're, sometimes we think that we're reminding Him, but we're reminding ourselves that He is faithful. So that when we get to the authority of the believer, and, and giants are falling, and, and waters are parting, and we're walking through on dry ground and all that, there's, there's something that's inside of us at that point. We're not crazy. We're mistaken in the covenant. And what God has already given I know it's hard to take the Lord's Supper separately or stand it up, but can you stand it up? Maybe put everything And if you know the words, close your eyes. If you don't know the words, by all means, read the words. But when you're reading them and singing them, then here's what my ask is that you hear yourself sing. I know you might hear somebody around you sing.